Hey everybody, it's episode 90 of the Masterclass. I'm Cam, and I am joined for the 90th time by yes. my good friend Dave. What's up? Ah, you know, took a week off, because that's a crazy work week, so if you're wondering where we've been, it's my fault. It's okay, Dave. Thank you, I appreciate it. All has been <laughs> forgiven. We are Christians after all. Yeah, so it's good <laughs> to be back, it's good to be here. Always. All right. Now that Dave has gotten his mea culpa out of the way, before we dive into our passage for today, he just picked up an arrowhead. Did I say something wrong? No. Okay. <laughs> anytime, you know me. Anytime he grabs a weapon, I feel like I've done something wrong. No, I'm just a fidgety person. So. It only happens twice an episode. Uh, anyways, <laughs> that's a total lie. I shouldn't lie on podcasts about Jesus, Dave. Probably not. That's something I shouldn't do. Um, but before we get to our main topic, which is the parable of the talents, correct, in Matthew 25? Yes. I wanted to um, share with you guys and discuss with Dave a bit this video um, that my pastor showed at church on Sunday during his sermon by Francis Chan. And uh, I'm going to paraphrase the video. We'll have the link in the show notes so you can watch the video. It's like, what, a minute and a half, two minutes long? Yeah, it's not very long. It's real short. Um, but I guarantee you it's going to be worth your time. And essentially, Francis Chan uh, compares the game Simon Says with following Jesus, which at first is potentially ridiculous because Simon Says is a dumb kid's game. But if you think about what the purpose of the game is, it's Simon Says do this, Simon Says do this, Simon Says do this, do this. Oh, you did it, but Simon didn't tell you to, you're out. Ha 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 ha. You scratch your belly when you shouldn't have. And uh, Francis then goes on to say, if he tells his daughter, hey, go clean your room. And then she comes back down two hours later and is like, hey, Dad, remember when you told me to clean my room? Guess what I did? I memorized what you told me, but I didn't clean my room. You're like, that seems ridiculous, right? But his whole point is, how often do we take what Jesus says, memorize it, Maybe even learn it in Greek, or maybe even have our friends over to discuss what it would look like if we did what Jesus actually told us to do, and have this big theological and philosophical discussion about it, but that's as far as it goes. We don't actually do the thing that Jesus told us to do. And I think that's where this video, for me at least, really hit home on Sunday at church was, oh, I know what Jesus said. I know what it says in Greek. I've probably had a Bible study or a podcast episode about what he said about that. Mm -hmm. But yet, I don't do that thing. And so for me, it was a big time like gut check and um, like honestly, even like an intellectual check of it doesn't matter if you know what he said if you don't actually do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that reminds me of what James says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word also. Right. You can hear the word all you want, that's great, but if it doesn't actually change how you live your life, then what's the point? Mm -hmm. He says you're like a guy who looks in the mirror, and then immediately when you walk away from the mirror, forget what you look like. What's the point of looking in the mirror if you're going to forget it the second you walk away? And so I shared the video with Dave before this because um, I want to get his thoughts on it too. But I guess my 
my thought on the video is one, watch it. Click on the link in the show notes. Watch the video and uh, try and approach it with an open mind of how do I fit into this story? What are the things that I do? Do I memorize it? Do I know it in Greek? Do I have Bible studies about it but don't actually do it? And, and also at the same time, I think be humbled by the fact that someone can use something as silly as Simon says to make a point about how people act when it comes to Jesus. And I don't know. Uh, I may be a little bit over dramatic about it, but it just I think the video for me was very um, for me it was surprisingly impactful. Mm-hmm. And I really like Francis Chan, and I'm not surprised that he had something that impactful to say. Um, but I just wasn't expecting it at church on Sunday. I was kind of in you know cruise control. Yeah. Focus on other things. Yes. I don't know if you had any thoughts about the video or if you just want to move on, but you know, um, I, I think one of the first thoughts uh, that I had referenced the video um, reference, uh, well, I guess ultimately uh, the Great Commission is Matthew twenty-eight, correct? Mm-hmm. Go therefore make disciples is this I, I, I don't know maybe I, I'm, I'm splitting hairs a little bit here of um, there is a there's a big difference between telling people about Jesus and making disciples and I'm I'm wholly convinced that discipleship and making disciples is about life on life. And so as I as I watch the video, as I think about discipleship and I think about doing what Jesus calls us to do, I think the thing that we need to look at is is where do what relationships do I have in my life? And really Every relationship that we have, and and I truly mean this, this is not one of those, I'm using the term always, I'm using the term never, I'm using a, you know, hyperbole or, or whatever, but I truly believe every relationship that we have should have the purpose of turning people towards Jesus. And that discipleship is about relationship. I think it's bigger than what we think it is. I don't think it's always about going, I'm going to pick this person and I'm going to make them a disciple. I think it's about living a life where truly the things you wouldn't think, you know, your coworkers, the person that you engage at the gas station, all those things can be uh, disciple making um, because. Um, it's bigger than somebody making a decision for Jesus. It's bigger than um, doing the right thing. It's it it it, it truly is all encompassing as to who uh, we should be. And 
as I'm saying this, I have a specific person in in my life in mind right now that on the surface, I don't think you would think I was being, I was making a disciple or I was discipling this person. But by being in relationship with this person, God's bigger than I am. Holy Spirit's bigger than I am. But I truly believe that that is what is happening in that relationship. Even if that person never actually becomes a disciple. <laughs> so. Yeah. Interesting. Because because my definition of my my definition of discipleship and disciple making is pointing towards people towards Jesus, and I would venture to guess that people are doing this more than they realize they're doing it, um, or maybe they're not doing it. Maybe there's maybe I should rephrase that. There's the potential for this to be occurring in more places in your life than I think you realize. Because here's the thing. Um, and boy, I want to attribute this to Dallas Willard again, but I'm not. <laughs> I, I I have to kind of think through where I I, I came across this. Is I I think when it comes to discipleship, we have this idea of it's a one on one. Uh, At a coffee shop at six in the morning, and uh, and there's yeah. there's a curriculum mm-hmm. to follow, and I guess that's what I'm trying to express in this is that I believe discipleship is bigger. Than this idea of one Christian taking another Christian and doing a curriculum. I'm making air quotes. You guys can't see my air quotes. <laughs> uh, this curriculum, because that's disciple making. And I often think what in 20th century America has become evangelism, or what we'll label evangelism, again, really should be disciple making and that's back to my earlier comment of even if this person doesn't become a christian and follow christ i can still be being obedient to what it means to making disciples and did i just like completely like go off on a tangent no no i'm trying to gather my thoughts before i start you know going full speed um yeah i think what's important in this discussion is defining our terms which I think you did for what you mean by discipling people. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally on board with that. And I think that is different than what most people think of as evangelism. I think what most people think of as evangelism, and again, speaking in generalities, so I'm going to be wrong in certain circumstances. It, Grant me that. Going to be potentially wrong. But I guess there's a little bit for me in all of this of I want to challenge people's thinking of what they and this is Dave Hogue, I'm not I don't want to speak for Cam. But yeah, I, I just think we have these kind of terms and these ideas that it's kind of like well, where did we get this idea? So I apologize for no. interrupting. Again, I forgive you, Dave. <laughs> uh so yeah, so I agree uh your your definition of Jesus is leading people. Or your definition of Jesus, your definition of discipleship, 
is leading people towards Jesus or at the very least showing them Jesus sure. to the best of your ability. And I think that I also agree, you know, that discipleship then becomes, you know, meetings for coffee or meetings after work and Bible studies at the coffee shop or following this curriculum of mm -hmm. how does an older gentleman teach a younger gentleman how to be, you know, a biblical man, which mm -hmm. we have thoughts about. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like the definition that a lot of people, at least in my experience, view as evangelism is let's just go hand people tracks to talk about Jesus. Let's just go mention Jesus in public. Mm -hmm. You know, and let's just get them into the church and then let the church do its job. Once I've gotten them there, I don't have to do anything more. Mm -hmm. I've evangelized, I've got them in the church now, you know, the church has a clause in them and, and you know, they're part of the the program. Um which I don't think is accurate at all. I, and I would agree with that because I don't see that in scripture. And I, I, I don't even want to make that error of that just because it's not in the Bible and just because Jesus didn't do it doesn't mean that it's not of God. But Jesus doesn't say go out and make converts. Don't go out and evangelize. He says go out and make, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we have, con we've, We've, I'm going to offend some people, but, you know, there's four spiritual laws that we're supposed to share with somebody. And, ah, if you accept these four spiritual laws, then, well, you're saved and you love Jesus. And I wholeheartedly believe that somebody can have a moment of accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Personally, didn't experience that. But I don't think the emphasis should be on that as much as it it's and I again probably hijacked your thoughts. <laughs> no, no, that, that sigh was not a sigh of annoyance, that sigh was a sigh of brain working. Yeah, I think, um, and again, I, I just I feel like a lot of these philosophical church philosophical questions, uh, that we we discuss come back to this friction between what the Bible actually says and what American Christianity has come to be. Amen. And and I'm okay with that friction. Like I want to be where that friction happens because it's important to discuss and to flesh out and to have um, you know, discussion and back and forth on why that friction exists. Because when there's friction, that means there's things that are rubbing against each other. Mm -hmm. Generally, not generally, always in opposite directions, right? right? And so that means that either the Bible's wrong or American Christianity is wrong in that certain instance. And I'm going to, you know, play the cards here and kind of go with the Bible as, as often as I can. Mm -hmm. And as a flawed human being, I'm going to screw that up every once in a while. Um, but there is... There's nothing healthier, I think, in our lives than to always be assessing 
why we do things and what our mo- so essentially what our motivations are, whether it's as a husband, as a dad, as a police officer, as a web developer, as a church, as a Christian, as a neighbor, right? What are the motivations for why we do things? And then when we find that friction, especially when it comes to discipling people or being the church in our community, when we find that friction, that gives us a great opportunity to contextualize the gospel to that friction, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the issue. The issue is uh, homosexual marriage. And we live in Kansas. Kansas is not a state that's probably too thrilled to have that as a law. Probably not. Just based on the general conservative nature of the people that live here. Uh-huh. There are plenty of people in the state that think it's a great idea. But historically and politically speaking, Kansas is a very conservative place. Yep. And Kansas is also a very historically conservative Christian place. Yes. And we have the opportunity as Christians to meet that friction here where we live with politics and religion and conservatism conservatism hmm? <laughs> I don't think that's better uh, but it gives us an opportunity to realize that the gospel can be applied to that situation that, that what Jesus did and why he did it is just as applicable to people that think that homosexual or homosexual marriage shouldn't be legal as it does to those that think it should be legal whether you're a conservative republican or a liberal democrat or like most of us somewhere in between <laughs> right the gospel of jesus still applies to everybody and then in those specific instances of friction between culture and the bible we can have those conversations of here's what culture says here's what the bible says Here's why they don't jive. Mm-hmm. Here's the decision you have to make based on what we know. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, as you said, is pointing, is at least trying to point people towards Jesus. It's not street corner evangelism in Westport, which I, I had a conversation with a street preacher one time, and he told me that Paul did it, so it's okay. I'm going like, to go to the bar and have a drink now. Um, did you tell him that Paul wore a robe and sandals, and you were wondering where his were? Open air preaching, as we called it. And I was like, open air preaching is not in the Bible. Well, Paul did it, but I was like, he went to the synagogue. <laughs> ding, 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 Dave, you win the Bible quiz. <sighs> he just, went to where people were talking religion. Yeah, it's just not. It's just, it, <laughs> I, that was like my one time to like try and like have hope in people that do that. And then I had that conversation, and he was completely unwilling to hear anything I had to say. Like everything I had to say, he had some snarky or pseudo-biblical response for it. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. That's not true. But he didn't want to hear it. No, if you're called to do it, great. But don't say, I'm doing it because Paul did it, because it's not true. Yeah, he didn't want to hear what I had to say. <laughs> and so I just, I guess I just want to echo what you're saying, because um, I have many gay friends have gay relatives and in in the context of discipleship vast majority of them would not call themselves Christians therefore 
they are outside the church. So those that are outside the church, my job as a Christian, Dave Hogue, how I'm gifted, what God has laid on my heart, my job is not to convince them that homosexuality is a sin. That is God's. It's the way to their heart, Dave. Come on. That is God's job. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe that that is what the Bible tells us about homosexuality. It's a sin. Well, because the only conviction that actually takes root and changes people is not when their brother, their friend, their dad, their mother tells them that they're wrong. No. That's like the red button. Don't push the red button. I'm going to push the red button, right? So if, if I come out and tell you that you're wrong, your natural response is to get further embedded in that wrongness because screw you and who are you to tell me that I'm wrong? Yes. Exactly. That it, it, the only way that, that true conviction actually changes people is by the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not our job. It's his job. So, can I possibly disciple a non-Christian who is living the homosexual lifestyle? And I believe the answer is yes, because I'm in relationship with those people. I love, and, and is that even bad to say those people? <laughs> These people, my family and friends that I'm talking about. I think it's only bad if, if people assume, <laughs> No, I think it's only bad if people assume that by saying those people, you're being derogatory, right. as opposed to being descriptive of a certain okay, so demographic, that's okay, you. <laughs> which you're being descriptive of a very specific demographic of yes. friends and family members. And yes. they wouldn't be friends and family members if you didn't care for them. Exactly. So, hopefully... <laughs> so, I, I sincerely would say, I believe I am doing what God calls me to do in those situations. I love them. When the moments have come up as to what I believe, I speak the truth in love to them. Try not to condemn as much as I possibly can. Uh, I think there's, there's, there's a consistency that goes with that love in terms of uh, spending time with them, um, having meaningful conversations with them. Um, doing life together. Being in relationship. And when the moments have been right, I've shared. Well, I've invited. I've invited them to come to church. Hey, love to have you come to church. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Most time it doesn't. Um, I, I've had people share with me that they don't feel judged by me. And again, I'm coming from the context of they are outside church. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this is a good spot in the show to, uh, let people know that if they want to get in contact with us about what you've said, about what I've said, about this whole idea of discipleship, um, specifically when it comes to um, you know stuff that's as politically and culturally sensitive as homosexual marriage, um, 
and and something uh you know things of that ilk um that they can write in or um email us and we would love to hear what what you what you think because obviously Dave and I have very strong opinions about the stuff but that doesn't mean that we're right and doesn't mean that we can't learn uh or you can't help uh other people that listen to the show um gain from your perspective so uh twitter dave is at david j hogue i'm at cam brennan and you can email us hello at supermegacorp.net and go ahead and put masterclass in the subject just so we know exactly what you're saying more importantly who i need to send it to and you want to send it to dave and not to nick because this isn't mendoza line um so yeah uh let us know what you think about that stuff we would love to hear um and love to uh gain uh from your experience and your perspective on those things so that intro went a lot longer than yes i expected but that's a good thing it's nice to have a a nice healthy yes well-discussed intro Built a strong foundation for for the rest of the show, um, but we are going to jump into the scriptures, and we're in Matthew twenty five, and starting in verse fourteen. And my goodness, are we really going all the way to thirty? Uh, I well, would it's say, a story. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, it, it's all connected, so I don't know that we have an option. No, oh, no options. No options. Would you do the honors? Absolutely. So we're at Matthew 25, verse 14, and just as a reminder, we do uh, the ESV, the English Standard Version. Extra sexy, English Standard, it's all the same. And that is available at esv.org. And uh, Thank you for ignoring my dumb joke. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> you did <don't>, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, the joke about my dumb joke is funny, but not my dumb joke. I see how it is. <laughs> so the Bible, that's what we were talking about. Yes, all right, so verse 14. <laughs> For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have, made ta- I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much more. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter no seed. Is that right? And gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. 
You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right. So, mm-hmm. more weeping and gnashing of teeth. But I, I feel like it's safe to say that this is more than just an investment lesson. Oh, definitely. Because if it's an investment lesson, it's like, look, either return me 100% of what I gave you or go home. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Five turns into 10, two turns into four, one turns into one. You didn't lose money, but you're out. So that we need to just quickly move beyond. This is not a how to be an Edward Jones guy. Nope. Uh, this all. is about taking what has been given to you and see I'm even in increasing it that sounds like an investment but <laughs> I'm trying to find the right words here so maybe we should go back to what you just read and work through it like we usually do and then I won't sound like such a dummy <laughs> I don't know about that oh ouch you still sound like no just kidding <laughs> I don't Man. think you sound like a dummy I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to that, Dave. All right. Gonna, you know, build up my ego here. Clearly <laughs> that needs help. <laughs> All right. So this guy comes, goes on a journey, calls the servants, and gives them stuff of value. Yes. So the first one he gives five talents, and I do believe a talent was no, this is not gonna tell me. A talent was a monetary unit worth a holy Moses. Worth about 20 years' wages. Wow. I would not have known that. So the first dude got essentially 100 years' worth of wages. The second dude got 40 years' worth of wages. And the third dude... (laughs) That's a lot of freaking money. Yes, it is. Now I know why the guy who had one was freaking out. I better not lose this. I only had one. I better better just... Like, that makes sense to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't Holy know that. cow. All right. So this guy clearly had a bunch of money, gave some to his servants, and then he went away. Yes. So if we scroll down to his responses, okay, so the five turned it into five more, the two turned it into two more, the one he just sat on it because he was afraid of his master because his master was hard and shrewd, and, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of stuff. So... So after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Uh, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I made five talents more. And his master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, which is, I think, (laughs) has to be tongue in cheek. Um, I will set you over much. Enter into uh, the joy of your master. And then two, master, you delivered me two. I made you two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then the one, I knew you'd be a hard man. <laughs> Reaping where you did not sow and gathering what you scattered. Uh, gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. All right, so this is what hit me while you were reading. You wicked man and slothful servant. Like, you just sat on your butt. You literally did nothing with what you were given. Mm-hmm. That's talking point number one. 
Um, uh, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have at least gotten interest. Like, that's just a no-brainer. You should have at least gotten some interest on what I gave you, but this isn't an investment lesson, guys. Don't worry. Um, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Okay, so that, when you read that verse, this idea popped into my head. The why this isn't about necessarily investing stuff. So for everyone who has more will be given. And so to me, I read that as to everyone who has um, the life of Christ, right? For everyone who has been given more than they deserve. For everyone who has received this abundant gift, in, in this case, five talents, 100 years of wages. And I'm doing that math in my head right now about what I make yearly. Yeah. Dude. I could have the best YouTube channel ever. Yachts, <laughs> 17 drones, ATVs in the desert just because I can. And it wouldn't even dent what 100 years of my wage would make, mm-hmm. right? That is a, an abundant amount, right? And that is what God grants us through Jesus is this abundant life in Christ. Mm-hmm. So for everyone who has, more will be given. And if you think about what we are promised in heaven, eternal life, no sickness, no death, no sin, everything will be set right with each other and with God for eternity. The angels will sing and worship and everything is going to be set correct the way that it was. That's the only thing I can think that is more than what Jesus has already given us now. Mm-hmm. But from the one who has not, the person who does not have access or um, relationship with that abundance, even what he has will be taken away, i.e. weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell, right? And so that's why I think this isn't necessarily about being a good financial investor, but it is about taking the gift that has been given to you Mm-hmm. by Jesus, by his act of sacrificial love on the cross, by his resurrection, and by the presence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Christians today, and multiplying that in the lives of other people, like the discipleship we talked about right. to start the show. Yes. And that is where my mind, I mean, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's because that's what we talked about before we went into this, but you know, reading or hearing you read this, that idea of this is not about money. This is about the gift that we're given. This is about the the life that Christ provides. And this is about sharing that with other people. That mm-hmm. is what's banging around inside this giant skull of mine. <laughs> yeah. I, if I had to sum up our two years of doing the master class and what I feel like I have gotten out of this. And it even is, I think parallel to what we talked about with the video at the beginning is I have become more convicted 
about um, the, gosh, I lost the, the word that I was just about to say, but I've, I've been convicted that Christianity is about doing. And, and, and sincerely, I, I, I sort of feel like this is the lie, the deception that was fed to me of this, you don't earn salvation. It's grace. Totally believe that. I was going to say, that's not that's, a lie, Dave. That's, that's not the that's lie. That's the Bible. <laughs> that's the Bible. Totally believe that. But the, and again, the, the word I'm, I'm, I'm looking for is, is, is escaping me, but almost this permission to not do in the context of the church, to not do in the context of my faith in Jesus Christ, because it's this, oh no, complacency. You're, you're saved by grace. You yeah. can't earn your salvation. Absolutely true. Believe it wholeheartedly. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus Christ dying on the cross for my sins that I get into heaven. But truly, over the two years that we've done this podcast, that's the underlying theme for me is you should be doing more. And it's not for the sake of simply doing more, but back to what Francis Chan was saying of, no, there should be more action and less memorization. More action, less discussing and hypotheticals. More action, just period. So, yeah, and for whatever reason, this really weird picture is coming to my mind. Like, the Bible is not a lazy boy. It is not something that you just sit in nice and, and get real comfortable with and then don't like it's there to comfort you and make sure that your life is easy and oh, I'm going to put my feet up because I've had just a really hard day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, you know, Habakkuk, why don't you just put my feet up off the ground? Like, the Bible is not your lazy boy to get comfortable in and to shield you from the harshness of life. If anything, the Bible is like uh, track blocks. Yes. That gets you going yeah. on the race that Paul talks about mm -hmm. of life. Yep. And, you know, I know you probably don't believe me, but I really genuinely don't like throwing certain people under the bus. But when I hear prosperity preachers like Joel Osteen talk about how God wants to lubricate your life and make your life <laughs> easy, I generally want to throw up. Yeah. Because they have taken the approach that the Bible is your lazy boy and just get real comfortable in there and ignore the parts you don't like because that's not really important. And it's all about being comfortable. And I just, I, it, it makes me angry because it's not true. Mm -hmm. And you take case in point, this story, guess who got comfortable? The guy that buried his one talent in the ground. Yeah. It's like, Took it easy. I'm good. Was careful. I'm going to bury it. I'm going to triple memorize in Greek where it is. I'm going to have studies with myself so I remember where it is. <laughs> and guess what happened? He went to where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it's the other people that were proactive with the gifts that they were given that went out and multiplied the gift that they were given. And in this context, I think that means that they shared the gift that they were given, that they spread it out to more people so that it was received because that's really the only way that you can grow something is to share it with other people. 
you know? And even if you want to take it to like the very, very basic idea of growing, you need to share that seed with the sun in order for it to grow. You can't hide it in a corner in the shade. It will die. You have to share it with the outside world. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. That was my that was my anticlimactic finish, Dave. <laughs> so yeah, it, you know, um, even as we've done the podcast, and I said I've become more and more convinced it's about the works we do. Don't claim to be perfect in that. A lot of things in my life that I I believe I need to continue to to work on and improve on. And, um, there, there will be seasons in your life where you feel like, or you're like, okay, God, I, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of return. And, uh, much of our faith, our Christianity, and our journey with Christ as we're in this world is continuing to be obedient, to continue to move in a direction, to continue to be dependent on Him for the forgiveness of our sins, and just knowing that there are going to be uh, dry times in our life or times where you may not feel like you are seeing uh, what you think uh, you are seeing, you're supposed to be seeing. And um, honestly, I, I personally feel like I'm kind of on the end of a, it, well, well before we started doing this podcast of just having that kind of um, feeling like I should be more productive, feeling I should, like I should see more fruit and just not having had that and almost being just frustrated with God of Lord, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to continue to do these things, but I'm not seeing a lot of outcomes in this. And so um, I'm not unique in that. I think you look throughout scripture that um, many of the people who follow God, Old Testament, New Testament have those times where uh it can feel like, well, it, Jesus talks about being pruned and him cutting away the pieces from us that um, are not bearing fruit. And by doing that, it allows those aspects in our lives to produce fruit. And so... Um, In the same way that this is not about money and investing, I also think it's not a simple formulaic sort of, well, if you've got five talents and if you just work really hard, then overnight you'll see five talents. I believe that five talents into five talents, two talents into two talents, where the master went away and came back, we are talking about an extended period of time where um, those servants maybe were wondering, am I going to see the investment that I think I should see on this five talents? Am I going to have 
what the master requires of me. Um, because it's not a quick turnaround. Um, it's a long obedience in the same direction. I think it's Richard. Is that Richard Foster? Long obedience. If it's not him, it's Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Long obedience in the same. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah. So, anyway. I was there. trying to remember that quote. <laughs> I'm glad that you got it. I believe it's Richard Foster. But well, we shall see. Okay. <laughs> Write in and tell us who it is. Well. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I feel like that's a really, really important verse. And I feel like we've talked about it, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to reiterate it here at the end of the episode that, that verse 29, like that is the promise of the Bible, right? The promise of scripture is that for everyone who has the gift of Christ, more will be given, more is coming. Mm-hmm. Everything is going to be set right when Jesus comes back. But for those that don't have it, even what you have is going to be taken away from you. Yeah. And I just, I feel like that's just a really important concept to to think about, really, and and to try and understand the consequences of yes yeah because very much the world we live in right now this concept of and back even to the conversation that we were having earlier it is not my job to judge it is god's job to judge and well boy it makes me nervous to think about that, you know? Well, and you get people that, you know, are like, oh, only God can judge me. I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly the problem you have. And it who cares what I think? the living out of you. Yeah, it's, it, who cares what I think? Yeah, you, exactly. Only God can judge you, and that's the issue. That's, that's why people are trying to alert you that perhaps maybe you should not do what you're doing. That should be very scary. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Because it, 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 if I really contemplate that, that is scary to me, and I'm just like, oh yeah, oh dear Jesus, I really hope this whole grace thing and you kind of coming between me and all of that is really as awesome as <laughs> what it, what, what I hope it is. And anyway, yeah. So you know, there we have it: grace, sin, judgment, eternity, heaven and hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth. A lot to, yeah. I feel like we could talk about this for a lot longer, but I think in uh, uh, respect for our listeners, yeah, exactly, <laughs> genuinely, exactly what I was about to say. Uh, we are gonna we're gonna bring uh, episode ninety to a nice smooth landing here at uh, Airport Masterclass. Thank you for flying with us. That is so cheesy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah, we're done. We'll be back next time with a brand new episode, episode 91. Uh, thanks again to our Patreon supporters, uh, Katie and Moopy at this point. We really do appreciate it. You guys make this show profitable. Yeah, wow. Between two people. That's awesome. 
Uh, we just think it's so cool. If you want more information, go to patreon.com slash supermegacorp and you can help make this uh, more beneficial to the people that create it and by doing so more beneficial to those that listen. And you'll uh, get more talents. Yes. Oh, Dave, don't even. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>